0: Winning lottery numbers coming out. I'm gonna switch it up for y'all a little bit, you know why, it's hurricane season. The new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami. The new Miami. Hey,
1: this is Manny Navarro of the Wide Right Podcast, and we've got another special episode with you. Uh, We've got Bryant McKinney on with us today. Uh, One of the most interesting men, I say, in the world because, uh, first of all, you're not going to find many guys who are 6'8", 300-something pounds uh, kicking everybody's butt on the football field the way he did in the NFL for a long time. Uh, won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. Outland Trophy winner with the Miami Hurricanes. Highest drafted Hurricane offensive lineman ever, by the way. I looked that up. Um, you know, I never knew that. Yeah, man. You're the highest drafted guy. I went, I, I've i been doing all this research because I came up with this quiz for college you know, football. I never, I never even thought about that before, honestly. Yeah, man. Highest drafted offensive lineman in Miami Hurricanes history. And oh. first of all, there's not a long list because I think you got five first rounders uh, among the offensive linemen all time. Five or six. And uh, Dennis Herrera, do you know Dennis Hera? I interviewed him the other day, by the way. Dennis Hera, he played in the 70s at Miami, played with the Rams for 12 years, was a, was a pro bowler, I think, six times. Um, but you, you two guys are the two highest-rated, uh, I mean, two highest-rated draft picks in, in Miami Hurricanes history. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, man, let's start off with where you're at right now. Where
0: are you for this pandemic? Where do you call home these days? I'm um, in South Florida. South Florida's home. Um, It's kind of always been home. This has always been my main residence um, since I left college. And even when I was in Minnesota and Baltimore, um, I always claimed this as home, and especially for tax purposes. I'm pretty much just writing it out. Uh, A lot of my family went back to Jersey. My mom was in town, um, you know, for the Super Bowl and things like that. She stayed for like a month, and she left like right before this picked up. So I've been pretty much here by myself. Uh, And kind of like, we have an airbnb here so i've been kind of getting all the repairs and stuff done that we had to do here and learning how to cook more like dinner food because i knew how to make breakfast food and like lunch stuff Mm -hmm. but now i've been learning how to cook like dinner food so i don't have to get like a chef or a meal prep and stuff like that and um i'm trying to keep myself busy yeah well i was gonna gonna say learning how to
1: yeah, no, you, it sounds like you're busy um, and learning how to cook. I mean, really cook a, a full meal is not easy to do, um, especially for a man your size who is as big as you are. I, I know, I'm sure you can eat uh, pretty good. So
0: is, I realize when you're cooking a meal, by the time you finish, you're not even as hungry as you were. But had I not made the meal, I would probably eat way more. I don't know what it is about actually preparing and cooking the meal that it like kind of kills your appetite a little bit.
1: Yeah, you look like you're in pretty good shape. How how much are you weighing these days, man? Are you working out a ton? Or
0: yeah, I work out. Um, because like when I first retired, I was like, I'm not working out no more. Mm-hmm. And then that lasted for about like a year and a half, and it was like, whoa, mm-hmm. you need to work out. So yeah, I um, I weigh more now, but for some reason, I have it looks like to people that I actually weigh less. Yeah. Okay. But it's probably because more muscle mass now. Okay. Um, so, but you've been,
1: um, but you've been lifting weights and doing stuff and, and it's not yeah, like you're just sitting around doing nothing.
0: I go, I have a trainer, so I work with him three times a week. On okay. Monday, I have a friend, he's a choreographer, so a group of us get together. We have like a little dance class that we do just because it was something different. Um, yeah. I do, like the same type of workouts. So I was, we were, like when the, when the schedule was regular, I was doing that on Monday, dance class Monday nights. Then I work out with my trainer on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And it's sometimes in, like, on a Tuesday night, I would play tennis with some of my friends. Friday, I would take tennis lessons. And then Saturday and Sunday would pretty much be my off-recovery days. So, yeah, at least five days out the week. Okay. So, I, I know
1: you've always had sweet feet, but, uh, I mean, how does it look on the dance floor, man? I mean, you could you, – you, you dance real well. I mean, you, you're like a guy Dude, who I'm goes good. out there and does the classic stuff, or, or is this just, like, just workout dance?
0: No, it's hip-hop, and we record it, and I posted it. It's still on my page. I posted on Monday, like, one of my um, – on my Instagram, I posted like one of the videos that we did. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Like about a two months ago, and I just finally just posted it. But yeah, we definitely um do a lot of things because it kinda helps you with like exercise your mind, your memory, and as well as your like your body.
1: I mean, we gotta get you on with dancing with the stars. You think we could uh, right. we could work that out?
0: <laughs> I'm building up for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um so tell me, I want to start at the beginning with you, man. I want to go um, to, to New Jersey, um, you know, growing up there. I guess, I don't know how far away you were from Philly, um, but tell me about your family growing up, you know, what did mom, dad do, siblings, uh, that kind of stuff. Tell me about growing up in, in, in New Jersey.
0: I grew up in, Jer- in South Jersey. So, yeah, 10 minutes, uh, Philly's like about 10, 15 minutes across the bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a small town, Cocoa New Jersey. Um, both of my parents actually worked at the same place. They were separated um, as I grew up, though, but they, my mom got him a job at the Claridge Casino. She was um, executive to the vice president of the casino, and he worked in the casino as well. Um, so I was raised as the only child because I was my mom's only child and my grandmom's only grandchild. Even though my mom had a sister, she never had kids. Um, so I knew how to entertain myself, so therefore I knew how to entertain other people. Okay. <laughs> um, that's kind of probably why I ended up becoming, like, the fun friend because I always knew things to do because I had to entertain myself.
1: hmm So, um... What did you do to entertain yourself? I mean, were you one of those kids who grew up with Nintendo and, and all that other stuff? I did, but you-
0: I, I grew out of that at a certain point and, like, wanted to be out and about. Mm-hmm. But I grew up, you know, playing, you know, Nintendo. But my mom put me in sports early. I started out wrestling. Um, that was, like, to learn discipline. And then um, she put me in, the, that was like in second grade, first or second grade. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got to, I think fourth or fifth grade, I moved to basketball. And that was for me to kind of learn to work with others too, because I was being raised as the only child. Mm-hmm. So I loved basketball and I actually played basketball all the way up to high school. And then I decided to try football. And uh, I never played football because I was always too much, you know, big for my age. It was too big for my age, where if I'm nine, I was probably the size of a kid that was 12. And um, so it was always like the age and a, uh, and a weight requirement, and I could never meet it. Um, I was,
1: yeah, I was going to ask you,
0: how, how old were you when you got to six feet tall? Do you remember? I was, I was like 14. Because I remember being like 5'10", 5, 5'11", 5, in eighth grade. So I think in eighth grade, I was like 13. Yeah, so I was thirteen, in eighth grade. So yeah, I was fourteen in the ninth grade when I got six foot. My growth spurt basically hit when I was in tenth grade. I left. I was like in ninth grade. I was like around six foot, maybe six one. When I came back my tenth grade year, was like six four or six five. But I was having like knee issues. My knees were like sensitive. As I don't know what. And my appetite was crazy. And my mom just ended up taking me to the doctor because we didn't know what was wrong. But then it was just like a real bad growth spurt. He said.
1: And and so football, you I mean you didn't really get to play that till high school, and then you end up at Lackawanna College. How did that all sort of come about, man? So
0: all right, so I started playing football in ninth grade, and then um, we actually went undefeated my freshman year, my class. And um, I played defensive end, and I don't know if I played offensive line. Maybe I played like a little bit, but I really was defensive end. My sophomore year, I didn't I didn't play. I, I I wanted to join the band because they go on trips. So mm-hmm. I was trying to join the, the band and play like the drums to go on like these trips. Cause they were going everywhere. And I kind of got over that. And then 11th grade, I went back out and, um, played football and then 12th grade. And then basically like the whole signing day, all that stuff that passed. And there was a kid behind me, um, Lamar he was a running back
1: and he was really good.
0: Um, like one of the best in South Jersey. He was a year behind me and um a scout named Frank Verducci from Iowa. Somebody mailed a, a videotape in to him uh, from my hometown. Still don't know who it is. And they were telling him about, you know, the running back that we had. Just so happened on that videotape, I was on there too. And he was like, well, who is this guy? So he contacted the school and said that um they were looking, you know, interested in the running back, but he also asked, well, who is this? And where is he going? And it was me. And it was like, oh, you know, he may go to community college or something. Like, really don't know, you know, just play sports or, you know, play or whatever. Um, and, and, and at that time, I came from a small school, graduated probably like 90-some of the people. So it wasn't even like going to the next level like that it wasn't even a big, like, it seemed like a lot of people didn't go from my school, put it that way. Mm-hmm. People so were
1: focused on other
0: things. To a big university, it didn't seem like they did. It was one guy named Jimmer Bundy who was like probably ten years before me. He went, he was really good as well, and he was a running back.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He went to, I want to say Nebraska or somewhere, or Pittsburgh. He went somewhere, and then um, but that was like in '89. So I'm coming out like in '97, like you know, seven years, whatever later, and um, it was just like a little different. So. The guys that came, Frank Lucey came and reached out to me and had me, you know, it was after the national signing day, so they had him with scholarships. He was like, but he had a good friend at Lackawanna, the head coach. Um, Mark Duda, who was a friend of his, and he used to play in the league as well. And he could, you know, set up where i go there for two years, learn how to play off of the line, because in college, I mean, in high school I played defensive end. Learn how to play off of the line, and after my two years there, I can uh, – you know, transfer to Iowa. I I make a commitment that I'm committed to go to Iowa, but I'm gonna go here first for two years. So, you know, it was like, okay, free education at the end of the day. I wasn't, you know, really too pleased about playing offensive line because I didn't know any offensive linemen. I went and um, even when I got there, I tried to talk them out of like, making me play offensive line. Yeah. (laughs) High school, I was like, I was like six, 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 seven, but I only weighed like two, like forty, mm-hmm. like two forty five, and I was like trying to gain weight, but I was having trouble. But I also, was only seventeen, you know. By the time I graduated, so my first couple, you know, months in school, I turned eighteen in September, you know. So when I got there, I was still like seventeen, still trying to fill out. I didn't really lift weight, so everything I had was just natural strength and stuff that I just acquired naturally. So when I got there, on um, the O line coach when I got to junior college. The online coach kind of took me, and I would start lifting in his basement. So, I wouldn't even lift with the team. He would come get me after I did my homework and everything. When they, they had lifting, I didn't have to go there to lift. Because I was like, listen, I don't lift, and I need the whole, like, you got to tell me. Like, cause a lot of those guys had been lifting, and they knew everything to do. It was like, I did. So, basically, I'm a blank canvas. You you got to show me. So, he would come pick me up after, like, like around 8.30. And I'd go to his place, and he would set up, you know, the whole – he had a little – Work out, you know, weight room in his basement, and we would go down there and I would lift. And he would drive me off afterwards. And then from there, it's when it developed like whole weightlifting, and then shoulders, you know, getting wider, and you start putting on like more muscle and things like that. And, um, was really learning to play the position. I had to go against a guy who was a JUCO All American. I'm coming in first of all, I hated playing off his line, and two. I'm going against a guy who's in his second year who's off, who you know comes back as a junior college all-American. So well, I'm going against him every day. My head is killing me because I'm trying to, first of all, learn a position. That that, I'm learning from a left-handed stance, and I'm not left-handed. So it never, nothing about this felt comfortable to me at all. And just was going against him every day, all through training camp every day. And I was just like, is this what you really want to do? Like, this is, like, the worst. Like, you know what I mean? and I just yeah. kept, I kept sticking with it but I'm gonna tell you what's funny is when I went out for football back in um, ninth grade uh, my grandma was used, used to me playing basketball so she told me when I first went out of football like oh you're not gonna like it you're gonna quit so that was always the voice that I always heard in my head when I had those moments like I don't know if i want gonna do this and it'd be like her like you're gonna like it. you're gonna quit so even when I got that um, scholarship to junior college I was like Brown, remember when I said remember when you said I was gonna like it and she's like I know you know I'm proud of you. So, um, that's great. I will always hear that voice every time I'd be like, uh, I don't want to do this. And I was like, just get out. And, um, so after a while, by the time we got into season, by me going against him and he's like the best in in junior college, I had no choice but to get good. Like I basically was seeing the best person in junior college play every day in practice. And I'm going against him every day. And, and now I got to a point where the light bulb kind of went off from my, you know, for me. And I was able to, like, figure out, like, well, what is he doing? Or what am I doing wrong? And that's how I was looking at everything, like, what is he doing? Or what am I doing that he's taking advantage of? And I started just, like, kind of dissecting the things that was going on. And one day just the light bulb went off. And we were, we had a, um, you know, O-line the D-line, like, they kind of, like, do pass rush drills and all those type of things and run blocking um, right before, like, a game and stuff like in warm-ups. Mm-hmm. And we and we did it one day before a game, like early in the season. It might have been like second first and second game, you know, of the season. And that same guy who was always giving me a, a tough time couldn't no longer get past me like ever again. Once really? I stopped the first once I stopped him, once whenever I figured out how to stop him, that was he never was ever, ever, ever as good as he was ever to be able to get past me again. Wow. Um, and it was real frustrating for him, too, because it was somebody who you're used to abusing. But at the same time, I'm like, I got to figure something out because I'm not going to keep going through this. And I would keep just watching, like, film. And I would just kind of, like, watch the things that he liked to do and try to always figure out a counter of how to, like, stop it or beat it. And then once I eventually just came up with the formula, just from there, you know, the first couple times he was like kind of mad and wanted to fight. And it was like, I don't care about the fighting part. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so, of course not.
0: Right, okay. And um, so then from there, he had to kind of just accept like, okay, he's gotten better. But I had a bigger margin to get better because I was, I never played the position. Mm-hmm. You were great at your position already. So I had the biggest room to make an improvement. Um, and then it just got to that point. So then from there... Everybody I was facing, since I was going against him in practice, the caliber of people I was facing weren't nowhere near as good as him. So now I'm dominating those people. And I ended up becoming a junior college All-American after my first year. Um, after that season, um, you know, my commitment was to Iowa. But uh, Hayden Fry retired after, after my first season. It's, it's funny how like, things just unfold. Hayden mm-hmm. Fry retired and the whole staff got fired. So now I'm no longer tied to Iowa because the people I had the commitments to are gone. Right. So a new coach came in and they try to kind of follow up behind and well at this point I was like, I don't even know that I don't know this, know this group of people that came here. So now that kind of made me open now to because you know, at that point like going through my first year there, no teams could even contact me because I was right. basically fine over Iowa. But once that happened now, I'm available. So now everybody like, is able to reach out to me and I'm getting all type of mail and letters. And I remember every day, everybody used to come over and see who I got a letter from now this week and this and the other and then it boiled down to me having to eventually take visits. And I went to Rutgers just because I'm from New Jersey. So I went there on a visit. I went to Miami. I went to Arkansas, uh, Syracuse. And I wanted to go to Penn State, but they weren't taking junior college players at the time. Big
1: mistake.
0: So, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes back later on. So yeah. they weren't shooting the junior college players at the time, and it, and like a lot of people were like but he's so good, but they're like well, we just aren't. Right, that's not what we're doing. So um, I took my visits actually like Arkansas for some reason. I, I think because when I came to Miami, I had fun the first night, but I had kind of got sick because the weather changed. So I had kind of like I had a cold, and I was then really feel like being bothered. So really, when I went to Arkansas, I had like probably a better time. So I kinda like liked Arkansas. My offensive coordinator, he went to Arkansas. So he's pushing me for Arkansas. But my head coach and uh, my parents, my mom, and dad are like, are you crazy? You're going to Miami. This is my mom beeping And Hold on. It's okay. Let me end it. Let me decline her. Okay. Um so uh after I, and after we basically boiled down to it, I ended up, you know, committing to the University of Miami. Coach Kiyo actually came up. So I remember the day when Coach Kiyo came into our, our building at school, at the junior college. And they were like, oh my God, it's a guy from Miami here. Da, da, da. And I remember just hearing that around school. Mm-hmm. And um, everyone was like, well, who is he here for? Like, you know, and then it ended up being me. They came and got me from class and brought me to the office to meet him. He was there with the coach and everything. He was like, I wanna offer you a scholarship. I, I like what I seen like and that hear that was his region too. He wanted to offer me a scholarship and I was like, oh okay, that's cool. And then um I ended up committing there. And then when I first got to Miami, uh I came in with like, you know, Andre Johnson and Vernon Carey and Clinton Portis and Jared Payton, all those guys. Um well, my, Mc, McKinney, I got to stop you, man,
1: because I had a couple questions I want to ask you just about Lackawanna and and you, you mentioned that All-American. Who,
0: who was that guy that you were facing every day in practice before we move on to the Kings. Was, Uh Nate Rust. He ended up going from, he went from uh, Lackawanna to University of Maryland. Okay. But he also played baseball too, so it was like, I think he ended up sticking more with baseball, even though he was a football player but he played baseball too, so I felt like I think he kind of stuck with baseball more.
1: Okay. And then and then as far as uh, the offers coming out of high school, was Lackawanna the only one coming out of high school?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Like, it wasn't yeah. no real offers like that. And it took for somebody to mail this uh, tape in.
1: Who Did you ever it. find out who it was? Nope. To this day, there's a mystery person out there that is responsible for your, for your career.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know who it is. And they've never said, like, I've done interviews and I've said it before, but I have no clue who it is. and
1: Nobody's ever stepped forward and said,
0: hey, it was me. Nobody has ever said anything about being that person. Do you try to solve the mystery? Have you tried to figure it out? I don't even know how. I would have to try to, like, track down Frank Verducci if somebody asked them, like, where did it come from? What was the name? Like, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But they always just said somebody, like, oh, yeah, somebody sent, you know, sent them the tape, and that's how they even, you know, know about me. But I, they never said who it was or... And it was somebody from my area, you know, because it came from, you know, South Jersey area. But never. So, one of,
1: so what, maybe one of those guys standing on the sidelines recording you or something sent, sent the tape in.
0: It was a game film, so it might have been something that they taped off of. Because um, our game used to come on, like, the local, local channel back home sometimes. Right. And one of those films, and they taped it and sent it in. I don't even know what made them send it to Iowa, but, like, it all kind of, like, worked out.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, man. So we'll get to Miami now. Um, the Mount McKinney nickname, before we do, what, the Mount McKinney nickname, who gave that to you?
0: That, that came in Miami.
1: Okay. So we can, we can get into Miami now then. <laughs> we oh, got okay. the perfect segue. Because uh, you, were, you were rolling there. I didn't want to stop you, but I was like, man, I got a couple questions. I got to make sure I ask them because – Yeah, ask,
0: ask the question. Um, yeah. Mount McKinney came from Miami, and also the nickname Big Mac came from Miami. That came from Santana Moss. Mount McKinney might have came from, like, the media or something like okay. that. Big,
1: everybody called you Big Mac. That was Santana's uh, deal.
0: Santana Moss came up with that just one day. like In Mac. practice? We okay. was in the weight room when he said that. And okay. um, it kind of stuck once he said Big Mac. Like, everybody was calling me Big Mac.
1: Now, everybody knows that nickname, but I got to ask you because there's some funny ones that people don't know about, and not just you. I'm talking about other players over the years because Dennis Hara yesterday told me they actually used to call a guy Worthless when he played at Miami. <laughs> that, that was his nickname. There was somebody he played with they used to call Worthless. Who had the funniest nickname on
0: those Canes teams that maybe nobody knew about? Uh, they had somebody called somebody Daddy. They called them Daddy? Okay. No, it's somebody Daddy. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Like they were saying he looked like somebody' daddy, so they just call him somebody' daddy. Somebody's daddy, okay.
1: <laughs> There's nothing that sticks, sticks out to you nowadays of, of, a, of a guy that, you know, maybe that just everybody sort of teased or whatever, kind of rise a
0: little bit? Somebody's daddy's probably like the, the worst, worst one. one. Like when you're in college, you're talking about you look like somebody's daddy, like you're saying they look old. That was probably like the one I, I, I can think of the most. Like okay. Ed Reed went by Eddie Kane, but that's mm-hmm. from off the fireball beat. Right. Um, nah, I can't really
1: think of a uh, – Well, that one's somebody's daddy. I'm sure somebody – they must have hated that, right? I mean, every time they were told did. that. <laughs> <laughs> would, would they start fights? I mean, guys were like uh, – I not even
0: feel like being called somebody's daddy, but
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it was good. So tell me about Miami, man. You you, you get there, and, and I guess Coach Kehoe has, had to have been the key to that whole thing, right?
0: Yeah, Coach Kehoe was the one who came and got me there. Um, I got to Miami, and then uh, the, we were still in the hazing phase back then. Mm-hmm. So, which, what did they, they do, man? Give me the hazing story. I understand the purpose behind it. It yeah. makes you, it makes you stick together with the class that you came in with. Okay. So you have a group of people that come in, and you have to do dumb stuff. So Vernon Carey, I don't know if you y'all should know who that is, too, right? Of course, son, yeah,
1: of course. What right? up, His
0: yeah. is just, his son just, um. It's about to go in the draft for the NBA. Mm-hmm. So, um, we were the two biggest guys there. Vernon was probably heavier than me at the time, but we're the two biggest guys there. And like, they would have like, if you're in the cafeteria, I hate the sounds to this day. And they take like their little fork and they tap like the glasses and all that stuff. And then somebody got to sing. Uh huh. They, they made me and Vernon get up there and sing. I'm a little teapot. It was like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be video of that somewhere. Did anybody shoot that? That was before know, camera then, phones, they right? Yeah,
0: camera phones like that back then.
1: Yeah, they probably didn't.
0: Oh, man. So what what happened after you were done singing I'm a Little Teapot? That was just the embarrassing part. But then they also, like, would tie people up. They cut our hair off. And then they tried to cut burning eyebrows. And he snatched the plug out the um, wall. Um, they just seemed like they were trying to just be bullies all the time. But they were forcing us to all kind of stick together, which happened. So I remember one time the, the couches were shaped like a U.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And apparently you weren't supposed to walk in the middle. And somebody asked me to, somebody called me over to where they were. And I was like, what's up? And they like, I guess I didn't go in the couch. And they like, I'm here. Like, I'm like, oh. So I walked in. And they're all sitting here like, woo, woo. Not knowing you're not supposed to walk through the middle. And then they were trying to get me to like, oh, once they got me in the middle, then it was like. Basically, it's set up for somebody like, to, like, come and try to ambush me. So, they had William Joseph come, like, rush me. And then I'm like, what is going on? And then it's like, we're like, he's rushing me. And I'm, like, going backwards. And then I just flip him the last minute on the couch. And I end up, like, on top of him, and I, like, we're wrestling. But I have the upper hand. So, of course, they want to break it up and try to make us restart. And um, he charged me again. And then I end up getting the upper hand. And then they were mad at him because they put him through so much, I guess, the year before, as far as, like, uh. Hazing that uh-huh. he was ready to take it out on somebody, but right plan, wrong man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm sure. I'm sure you probably know. There's got to be some legendary hazing story of maybe somebody who got it the worst or the or the craziest. Oh yeah, per- Philip
0: Buchanan got a real bad where they tied him up. Him and another guy named Tori, but Tori ended up quitting and leaving. But mm-hmm. him and him and Phil got left in the locker room. They got tied to the um, they got tied to one of the walls, and they got left in the locker room like to be left overnight. And they had tape over their mouth. And just happened of the coaches was cutting through. I'm coming from the training room. I'm going back up to the office. And they could hear the, like, people like, wah, 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 and then they, <laughs> and it was them. He they let them, you know, he un, untaped them. And they came back to the dorms. And they was going off. And Phil was like, I'm about to call my family. And we're like, no, we got to handle this at this point. Yeah. And we know it was a lot of the defense players and some, for some reason, I don't know how we found out. They were at, like, um, Greg Shiano's house for, like, a little barbecue or something after, like, one of our little training camp days or something. And we called them up, and we kind of, like, went over to the, um, to the locker room. We blocked off. It was, like, four ways to get into the locker room. We blocked all three and made them all only be able to come through one door. And um, we called them. We was in there talking shit, and we called them over there, and we waited for them to come in, and we basically, like, ambushed them in. And attack them, and from there, like we gained their respect because it was, it was uh, enough. It was enough. I went one low, and then you had some people <laughs> I I wasn't scared of none of them. And me and Burn would be together a lot too. So it's me and Big Burn the biggest ones on the team. So right, nobody's gonna them. There was listen. a couple of them that we caught. We caught like by themselves. Like, oh, what's the problem? Like they like, oh, wait till we get that. We gonna tell Nick. Everybody always wanted to go tell Nick Webster everything. But right. these he's guys he's be linemen, but y'all wanna go tell Nate Webster, it's like, y'all, bigger than him. Like <laughs> me and Byrne we ready to take him on, like we don't care, like we ready to get y'all now. Like I was always trying to reverse it. Like we gotta turn into the uh we can't be the prey all the time. We gotta start making them the prey. Like, you know what right. I mean? Everybody, so And that's how that's how I was like, I ain't gonna keep you ain't gonna keep bullying me now. We gotta <laughs> so leave us alone or we going to now start attacking y'all. So they kind of had enough of that. And, yeah. you know, we kind of stood together. But it was a period of time even, you know, me and Vernon weren't really even that close, I guess, because we both spoke. Um, we both played offensive line. And he didn't really speak to me much when I first came there. I speak to him, even though we live right next door to each other in the dorm. And then, but it took for that day when I got called in the middle for the, um when William just tried to rush me or whatever, I already knew Vernon wasn't in there when it happened. So Vernon came in afterwards after I just finished, and they called Vernon in the middle and did the same exact thing. And I'm like, oh, gosh, they about to get him now. I'm here. I guess I got to help him, like, you know what I mean? And then they had, like, one of the linebackers, and then they had somebody else grab Vernon from behind and pull him down, and then they got on. They, like, all tried to jump on him. So then I was like, even though we don't speak, I should probably help him because I'm going to need him probably to help me later on. And he is another big guy. So uh, Eli, uh, both, uh, like all of us was in there at this time, like our class and I just got up and I went over there and I started pulling people off of him to the point where he was able to push pe- the rest of the people off and get back up. And then once I did that, like, you know, somebody did come like grab me and try to slow me down. And then Andre Johnson jumped in then Clinton Porter jumped in. And then it just made like a trickle effect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's when me and Vernon became close from there on because it was like had, he had my bag and it was like I had to because I'm going to have mine at a certain point yeah so that's um, the
1: secret sauce man that's the secret sauce really to building the, the great relationships of these it's, little it's, it's, they
0: stopped because people be complaining it's like it really weeds out the weak people yeah Who t- I told you we had some people that left and it was like that because is of the that relationship. yeah it just showed you who the weak were.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And and uh, so, did you ever become the bully? Did you ever, because uh, you got to turn around no, and do the hands on like somebody really, else.
0: I didn't really have time for all that. I ain't feel like wrestling yeah. with Like, um, I, was, I would watch, because it was other people who always felt like they wanted to get, like, a get back. And that's how it always kept going, because you got bullied, so now next year, you wanted the opportunity to bully somebody else. I'm like, I don't have time for this. I'll watch, but I'm not. I don't feel like being involved in all this. Um. Yeah jump around people because I know I didn't like it when it happened to me. So I don't even want to do that. But, you know, you have people that react two different ways. You have people that's like, well, since it happened to me, I'm going to make it happen to you. And you have somebody like me that's like, what well, happened to me. So I only wanted that. I only like going through, you know, anybody else.
1: You, um, man, so you guys, obviously, I mean, everybody knows about the national championship team, but in 2000, you guys got totally screwed um by the BCS, man. You should have played Oklahoma in that championship game and didn't. And what was a take me to that day when you guys found out you got screwed in the BCS? Because I, I imagine
0: everybody must have been so pissed off. We were because we beat Florida State, even though we lost um, to Washington the second game of the season and got to a late start against Washington. Um, that finding that out kind of set up our season for the following year mm-hmm. for those who were juniors and under, because our strength coach um, Andrew Swayze, was like. You know, even one loss, you can't even play in the national championship game. So that's why controlling our own destiny became the theme for the whole summer workout and the whole, that whole year, going into my senior year, was about controlling our destiny. And then the one time you do actually want to cheer Florida State on because if they win, we split the national championship because we'd be Florida, we'd be Florida in the Sugar Bowl. So now, by us being Florida in the Sugar Bowl, if Florida State was to beat Oklahoma, we would split it.
1: Mm-hmm. So the
0: one time that you care for them, <laughs> They don't they only score a touchdown. What was the score like? that? had a safety or something? like? Thir- right? Thir- 13 to 2, man. I'll never forget yeah, It was like
1: something stupid. And I was like, dude, like, you didn't score a touchdown. You did, did you call and
0: talk trash to those FSU guys? Were you friends with any of them? Did you, no, did you? we wasn't no. friends with them. Okay. We got became friends with them like later on in the league when they get on your team. But mm.
1: Right. Did you ever give one like, of those guys shit or no? Huh? Did you ever give one of those guys shit about it later on in the NFL when you were? You no, know,
0: I just realized we couldn't depend on them. So it was yeah. like, it had to us going with the whole narrative of controlling our own destiny because you can't rely on nobody to to lose or do anything or to win or whatever. So it's like you had to control our own narrative and and control our own destiny and just not lose no games. Now we realize you can't even lose one game. So the whole goal, that whole season was to go undefeated and make it to the national championship finally.
1: When I, when I think about those FSU games between Miami and FSU, I, I, I always think about the shocky catch in the end zone, man, because I was in the stadium that day as a fan in the Orange
0: that was the game that kind of like let a lot of fans know who I was, who Jeremy Shockey was, and who Ken Dorsey definitely was. Um, was like um like a, a big game for us three. I remember I remember being in the paper the next day, and it, it kind of highlighted like myself, Shockey, and and Ken Dorsey. And it highlighted me because of the guy I had to go against was Jamal Reynolds, and he was like known for getting like a lot of sacks and things like that. And he ended up not even, I don't even know if he had a tackle, or if he did, he had one. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get any sacks, so that became a thing. I'm, I'm thinking that's just me doing my job. I didn't realize that, like, not having no sex was, like, a big deal until, yeah. going, to, until going into my senior year. I was like, oh, they are making all these stories. about it. He didn't give a sacks, he hasn't done this. I'm like, well, you're not supposed to, right? Like, but it's like a big deal. Like, that you have. And now I'm going to my senior year. So it's like, you have one more season to go through without giving up, um, any sacks. And now I went from being under the radar to now being everybody's target of trying to get a sack. Mm. And I remember going into my senior, I remember that senior year, we, um, we were playing Florida state and we were, we were being Florida state pretty good. Even though we gave that speech about being hurt and all that stuff, we were, we were beating Florida State pretty decent um, up there at Dope Stadium. And one play, I don't know if their guy must have got up to a good jump. And they thought he was about to get Ken Dorsey. But then all of a sudden I just came like with a shove and shoved him past. But their sideline erupted like, ah, the, like their whole like, mm-hmm. team and everything. Because they were zoomed in on him him and I and this guy getting a sack. And he was he, like, ran past Dorsey, but he looked like he was about to get the sack. And they started cheering before it actually happened. And I looked over like, oh, they're looking at us. Like, oh. And see, that's when I realized I had to be um, on point. Like, even my worst game has to still be better than this person's best because even though, though they're not winning the game or have a chance, they won a small victory of getting a sack. So, I had to yeah. step my game up the rest of that, the rest of that game, and throughout the rest of the season, just to make sure nobody <laughs> could get one.
1: You guys had the late comeback in the Orange Bowl in two thousand, and then you beat them forty nine to twenty seven uh, up there in Tallahassee. And really, there weren't any close games, um, except for that Boston, Boston cool. College game, man. Right, that What's Boston College and game. Virginia Tech,
0: Virginia yep. Tech. Cool,
1: yeah, I was gonna say, what do you uh, that Ed Reed play? was so memorable, man. You see it on the replays nowadays. College, that was the last game, right? Boston, no, uh, the last one was Virginia Tech. You guys played Boston College. That, that was, like, in the middle of November. Um, oh,
0: okay, so Virginia Tech was
1: the last game. Yeah, VTech was a shootout because you had to play them up there uh, in Blacksburg. It was 26-24. I remember it was a tight, you know, kind of a tight game.
0: Yeah, I got injured in that game.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. The uh, the Boston College game, though, I know you and Ed obviously won a Super Bowl later on, but I'm wondering, what's your memory being on the sideline and seeing him return that for a touchdown, uh, that, that, that pick? Did you see the play live? Were you, were you watching, or were you on the bench being coached up, you know, at that time? I was watching it at that
0: point because it seemed like Boston College was driving down. And if, I don't know if they needed a the touchdown or a field goal, but it seemed like they were just driving down.
1: Yeah, they needed a touchdown. I think you guys were up
0: 11-7 to 7 or something like that. It okay. was a weird score. Mm-hmm. I just knew they needed a touchdown. I kn- they needed – they were driving. They were making their way down to their end zone. So, at that point, we just already got coached up on whatever it is we needed to correct, and we're watching, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we didn't did so good this whole season. And now we have this one game right here, where we are on the borderline of not winning because it wasn't a lot of time left either. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Matt Walters, I've seen him. Oh, he did get an interception or something. Yeah, I think the pass was like deflected and he ended up catching right, and then Matt it. Walters, yeah. Matt Walters, I see Matt Walters running with it and I see Reed next to him. But it was like Matt was about to go down and just like be tackled. And then like the last minute is like Reed like grabbed the ball. But I asked Reed, I said, What did you say? He was like, I got to tell Matt, Matt, pitch me the ball, me the ball. And Matt said he kept hearing somebody, but he couldn't see who it was. And he said, As he was going down, he looked up last minute and seen that it was Reed and let go. And Reed took it and took it in for a staff. And that was like the biggest scare. Cause it was like we worked so hard for all this in this one game right here. Like this one game is about to like mess us up. Like we're about to be one in, you know, whatever again. Like but uh every came through. Like he always does and yeah. he ended up saving that game.
1: <laughs> yeah. He uh he got hired obviously as chief of staff man at Miami under Manny Diaz. What do you think Knowing him, playing, winning a Super Bowl with him, winning a national title with him, what do you think he, that position, what he's going to be able to do, man?
0: Um, he's going to make sure guys in there want to, to win, for one, mm-hmm. and willing to put in the work and, um, and things like that to get things done and make sure the coaches have, you know, the right things going on. Um, the O-line coach down there in Miami, I met with him. Uh, when he got hired, he reached out. And Coach I went down, Justice, yeah. Yeah, and I went down there with him. We watched film for, like, two hours. And he showed me his, you know, blocking style, which I actually like. And um, we watched, like, film even on me in college, and we just watched film of, like, how he coached other guys. And, you know, just asked my opinion on things. And he said, and he took notes. Like, he, he listened. And I feel, like, I feel like right now he's kind of being cheated a little bit because of this pandemic that he doesn't have the time he would normally have, you know, to get with those guys and coach them and teach them things now. But, I mean, when they get to training camp, he'll have to, like, drill them and, like, they have to unlearn some of the bad habits that they were taught. Why
1: How does he strike you compared to the other coaches? Because I've heard from the kids and the parents – that he's a totally different guy maybe from the older guys that they had the last couple of coaches. Garen's younger. He's 37.
0: Guys, like some of the older coaches, they are too stuck in their ways and they don't realize they have to adapt to these different generations of kids Mm -hmm. because everybody's not going to receive and take what you say the same way. So it's like, he kind of knows how to, you know, deal with this generation. He coaches good technique from what I've seen. And, I think he can come off a little more relatable and he also knows that okay i can't tell them every day so i don't mind having brian or Robert or different people coming every once in a while sitting on film or whatever and kind of get their opinion on things too just so they can the, you know the um the guys can see that it's similar uh similar coaching style why is this so important to you brian i mean
1: i've seen other guys obviously care in the sense of, hey, man, I don't like the fact that the program's struggling and they're not winning, but for you, it seems is like... they the been
0: struggling for a long time, like...
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm
0: not arguing, I know it's a fact. Like, yeah. <laughs> you keep behind all these people, but, like, it's struggled for a long time, but there's no need for a program to struggle for a long time. You have all these other people that have had their runs, they've had their runs, and they came back and had another run, like, and Miami still struggling. It's like, I don't know who was behind the recruiting, but we need to figure it out we're all frustrated we're tired of it we we came from an era where we was you know had a great program and great success so don't know about you want to sit back and be able to go to a game and watch your team win or dominate or, or be in the BCS conversation at least something like but it's been it's been a minute it's been about 17 years Well, I
1: think the dirty secret is, man, you know, and people don't talk about this enough. I I know everybody can, you can blame the coaching a lot, obviously. I'm not saying those guys are saints, but look, I just did all this research for this draft quiz that I put together for the athletic. The talent ain't nearly as good as it used to be, bro. And you know that, you know, from going down there, you've seen it. It's not nearly, I mean, what you guys had in the early 2000s, all those NFL guys, it ain't the
0: same. It ain't the same kind of players. Some, well, some people, while they were there, developed and became that. They didn't walk in there and was already in that position.
1: Mm-hmm. They,
0: like, like a lot of those guys who was on my team, they were not all five stars and all these different things like that. Now, people just continue to keep growing and getting better at their craft and elevated themselves up, too. But mm-hmm. you have, to me, a lot of those guys that are there now who are, I'm happy to be a Miami Hurricane, and that's it. They're finally happy to be here but they're not trying to be, like, one of the great and elite ones that we're talking about later on once mm-hmm. they leave. Like, they're not trying to leave a mark there. They're just trying, happy to be there and, you know, hopefully, because they, at the University of Miami, they can go on, you know, and pursue a career in the league later on because a lot of guys come from there and, and get a chance. But be like a difference maker. Be somebody – I felt like DJ Dallas came in and he tried to – bring that energy, like, that – Uh, get everybody to, you know, to be on the ball and win. But he's only one person. You need a few more people like him to get that energy and go out there and, you know, play every down, like, it should last and things like that. Maybe they need to do some
1: hazing. They they need to bring Nate Webster back and have yeah. him kick everybody's ass. They do. <laughs> so, and, so, I'm
0: gonna tell you, they need to start some hazing in there, get them to get, you know, tight and have each other's back and realize, hey – Long as you don't let nobody else outside of here do this to you, then you're
1: fine. <laughs> hey, I gotta take you back to um, Shockey because you were roommates with him, right?
0: Yeah, uh, my senior year.
1: Your senior year. What was that like? Because uh, he was he, every time I saw Shockey, and I was there, I think, for his draft party. Um, every time I saw Shockey, I saw like a rock star, man. Like you, you know the blonde hair, and was he a rock star by the time he was a senior? Shockey was more
0: country when he was in school with us. Shockey mm-hmm. developed into a rock star when he got to New York and started growing his hair out. That's mm-hmm. when he became the rock star, he grew his hair out. He got the tattoo sleeve mm-hmm. on his arm. That's yep. when he like, transformed from, he had like this little military buzz type of cut prior to the growing the hair out. That's when he became like the rock star. What, and, was, he, uh,
1: what was he like as a roommate? I mean, country music, like left and right? Or what was that like?
0: Now I don't really recall him playing country music too much. Okay. Um, but Shocky was, was cool from Ada, Oklahoma. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Shocky was always that person who didn't have a filter on what he said he said exactly how he felt and he felt like there was nothing wrong with like this is how i feel like what's the problem like so even i remember one time Coach this he said something to Shocky about jumping off sides like when the team he's like well what do we do well how we stop you from jumping off sides he said we'll go on one like but that was his real answer <laughs> that's not something that you would say like and he just said it so like nationality but just go on one it's like that really wasn't a response, but he didn't even allow what he said the process to say maybe I shouldn't say that. He just blurts out what he thinks. And that's what we all, like, loved about Shockey because Shocky is always going to just be Shocky. Like, he never, like, really sugarcoats. Like, I think he probably had to learn once he got to the league. Like, maybe I shouldn't say that, like, had to learn through experiences. But he always kind of, if you ask him something, be like, <laughs> no, that's stupid. Like, he would just say, <laughs> exactly. Like, mm-hmm. He was there exactly when he felt about something. It was kind of funny because it's like, dang, you don't know how to feel this up, but he's always being honest. Yeah,
1: that must have been a fun uh, friend. And you guys
0: were friends all the way through, right? When he was in the league and everything? Yeah, 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 yeah. We were friends all the way through. And then my mom, because he was in New York, my mom would walk to a lot of his games um, too. And uh, him and William Joseph ended up being on the same team. So she would go up there and visit both of those two. Um, but, yeah, we've been – we're still friends. We still uh, communicate. Um, yeah, I was going to say, who are you closest with still today? I'm in a group text with – it's a group of us that are in group text now mm-hmm. that DJ Williams created. So I think in that group text, is like me, him, Vilma, um, Santana Moss, Roll, um, Mo Sykes. Uh, Delvin Brown and, and one other person is in there. It's like, we're all in that group text. I don't know how, um, I don't know. The DJ formed this, it's been like two or three years now we all had this group text. And then I have another one with the O-line. So it's like Ron Berg, um, Verna Carey, Joaquin Gonzalez, uh, Chris Myers. It's like a bunch of people. It's a lot of people in that one too. A bunch of o line in that too. So
1: Lifetime friendships, man. It seems like, and you guys go to all each other's weddings, everything, right? I mean, this is
0: bad because even like I had um, I had a charity kickball event I do every year, and um, like a lot of the guys came. Um, let me see, because I have a list of people who came to my um, kickball thing. So like from the UM, like Antro Rowe came, Mo Sykes came, Roscoe Paris has come, Jonathan Vilma, Damon Berry, Olivier Vernon, Brett Romberg, Kareem Brown. Ed Reed has come, Willis McGahee, Vernie I said Vernon Carroll already. Um, like, a bunch of those guys. So, like, everybody comes out and kind of supports each other.
1: That's great. That you, you know, all these years later, the friendship is still as strong as ever.
0: Yeah, because uh, some, some of these guys act like we're still in college. Well... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, pretty, it's a pretty close-knit group, though. Um, for some reason, is uh, I don't know, it's always like that. Edwin James is a real good friend of mine as well. Like, Mm -hmm. And and Philip Buchanan and I, we speak almost all the time as well. So it's like a group of us who speak on the regular.
1: Coach Kehoe uh, got hurt recently. He hurt his hip and all that. We know he's recovering. Um, We he had a
0: stroke first, and then he got mm -hmm. his
1: hip. He already had a
0: hip injury, but he got both of them taken care of um, while he was getting the rehab for the stroke. He got his hip uh, replaced as well. I actually went down to visit him um, when I first heard about it. Somebody had called me that morning, and I put it in the group, the group chat to let everybody else know. So I knew why had went down like that day. I think I went down the next day. And when I was there, Donna Shalala and Ed that? they were in there. And then Donna Shalala had me and Coach Keel, me, her, and Coach Keel take a picture. And she was like, Make sure you post this. So everybody knows he's in good spirits. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. I did. I told the group, I said, She had me take this picture. I ain't going to take a picture of him in the hospital. She made me they <laughs> it and post it. They said, She probably running for something. So.
1: Yeah, what what um give me your best Art Kehoe story, man, because, I mean he's so beloved, man. Everybody loves that guy. He was a part of all the championship teams. But you your own yeah. personal Art Keyho story, something that just makes you laugh to this day. Keyho
0: has a lot. I mean, just in team meetings, he, like his team meetings was funny. So like, if somebody like if somebody like ran past you, and like it was a play, like I don't know. Sometimes you see somebody getting ran past, and he would like, "What do you working, Movie theater ticket, please?" Like he would say like little things like. Hey, take Take it, please, Take it, please, like you know. And then like, if somebody did something good, he like, okay, everybody, give him a golf clap. And it'd be like these little clap that you just clap in the palm of your hand. And but it sound like on the golf course when everybody does it together. Right, right, right. Everybody, everybody give him a golf clap, and then everybody going through that little clap. And I'm like, this man is crazy.
1: So uh, tell me, tell me something about the 2001 championship team. People don't know, man. That people don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh hmm Uh... You guys have have done all
0: the TV specials, everything. There's nothing left that you haven't used yet? (laughs) Not that I know of. I mean, I feel like at some point everybody's kind of discussed um, something. Uh, I can tell you, like, okay, that summer going into the 2001 season, um, me and Shockey were roommates. Um, I want to say it was Ed Reed, Ron Joaquin, all them. I don't know how they broke into the heck, the athletic building. Mm Mm-hmm. They broke into the heck, and they stole, like, one of the trophies out of there. And I didn't go out with them that night, and I guess they was mad. And um, they came to our house. Shaki had left the back window open, and why was the key right there? So instead of them having to climb in, they just grabbed the key, and they unlocked the door. And um, they went in there first, and I guess they woke up Shocky and then Shaki was pissed. And he was like, oh, but y'all didn't go wake up Brian. Dude. Y'all scared of him. So, of course, they <laughs> – <laughs> First, I'm next. So now, um, it was completely dark in my room, but I'm a, I'm a light sleeper. I heard my door open up. <laughs> Remember, it's dark in my room, and I'm like, "So who just opened my door?" But I'm not saying nothing. I'm just looking, and the door's opening real slow, and I'm like, "Someone's opening my door." So then the door opens, and then all of a sudden I just see a body come run, run towards me, like to jump on me or something. So I put my foot out, and I kicked the person, and they fell. And I had, like, this um bottle of Hennessy next to the bed, and I grabbed it. And they all started screaming, no, 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 no. And they cut the lights <laughs> on. And they cut the lights on, like, wait, wait, wait. And it was Ed Reed who jumped on me, and I see him coming. He didn't know I was – my eyes was open. Uh-huh. I, kicked him, I kicked him off me, so we went to jump. I put my foot up, and I kicked him, and he fell on the ground. And he was like, oh, I heard this person, oh. And I heard everybody else because they heard the thump. They cut the light. on like, no, wait, 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 wait. Because they felt like. I was Holy a- cow, man. And I was. <laughs> 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 I thought the- somebody must have broken or something. I was like, somebody must have broken And now they're trying to attack me. 2000- and now I'm about to attack them.
1: <laughs> the 2001 National Championship team almost came apart because Ed Reed tried to wake you up in the middle of the night.
0: <laughs> it almost did for real because I was <laughs> a I thought I was being attacked. I was like, this "Somebody, somebody broke in here!" Like, yeah. I was
1: being
0: Very still, and I was just looking at them. Like, I thought they were like go around and try to like take stuff. They ran. They was running like the jump on me. I'm like, oh, "What? the heck? What is going on?" So,
1: man, Ed, 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 what did Ed say about that night, man? Because uh, did you hurt him? Did he? Did he hurt himself at all? He was good.
0: Well, I mean, the fact that he jumped and then <laughs> he wasn't. This, <laughs> they couldn't see because it was dark, so they didn't know I'm looking at them, but. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking right back at them, but I, I can't tell who it is. is. Right, right. Back. I see bodies. So I guess he wasn't expecting when he went to jump then my foot would come up and, and kick <laughs> out. And then I, it, he never made it onto the bed. So when he landed, he fell on the side of my <laughs> floor. So when he lands, he's like, ow. Like, he's not expecting to hit the ground. And wow. then they hear, you know, they were behind him and they heard the, the loud thump because you can't really see what's going on. You can just kind of like Hair, but you can kind of see like a body fly somewhere too, but it's like, wait. So they hear him cut the light on, like, wait, 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 because <laughs> they didn't, they didn't know what was going on. They just seen like, they didn't know if I was up and I did that. They didn't know how it fell on the ground like that. They just knew like, mm-hmm. oh shoot, he's on the ground. Somebody just fell, like. So he was how yeah. many
1: seconds away from getting a, a bottle of Hennessy across his head? I had the head? bottle on my
0: hand by that point, <laughs> and I was trying to like to see like where he was at, and they cut the light off. <laughs> And And that was it. I was mad. Oh, damn. So then, when I go out in the living room, Shocky already sitting in the living room. Looked like he just woke up. They woke him up first. And he's sitting there waiting. He's listening to see what's happening in my room. And then, when I go out there and I'm looking, it's a whole trophy from one of them bowl games with like a whole bunch of sand in it. Sitting on our um on our couch on our table. You don't know what championship trophy that was. I forget which one it was. And I don't know how it we went back. I was like, I'm not responsible for taking this back. They all left. and they ran out laughing and joking, and they left the trophy at our house. And I'm like, how does this to go back? Like, what did you guys do? I don't remember because I stayed out of it. Like whatever. However, uh, it got back. it got back. I was not have no parts of it because I didn't bring it in here. I don't know how they even got it out of there. <laughs> I don't Coach. know how they got into that building.
1: Did the coaches did the ever learn about trophy? that? Did the, coaches um, ever, did the coaches ever hear about that?
0: Did they know? I never heard nothing else about it. That trophy ended up being back in that building, and I never heard anything about it.
1: <laughs> wow. So you guys – Ed stole his own trophy and then almost got hit over the head with a bottle of Hennessy.
0: Well, it was a group of them. He was with <laughs> yeah. o and he was with Romberg, and he was with uh, Joaquin, and it might have been somebody else with them. Uh-huh. And they all they all carried the trophy, so – Somehow they did it, and they were like, We're gonna put this at, there, at you know, at Mac and Shot Guys, and they brought it over there. But I was like, That trophy is stay here forever because I'm not telling nobody, I'm not taking it back. I'm not like, I didn't want no dealings with that trophy, so <laughs> I stayed out of it like it'll sit here forever because I'm not touching it, I'm not doing nothing. And somehow it went back. I still got to get the answer to that because I don't know how,
1: yeah. So you, um, you guys ended up getting the real trophy, obviously winning the championship in 2001. Yeah. Uh, those parties must have been legendary afterward. Like the night that you guys won, you stayed in L.A. after that game, right? After the Rose Bowl? Because at that point now, I'm
0: like, mm, I'm done. As far yeah. as like school. So I was like, yeah, I might have stayed there for like a day or two. Mm-hmm. We, I went to New York and I actually hung with Jesse Armstead and Michael Barrow. <laughs> you did? Okay. What what made you do yeah, that? Like, huh? What made you do that? Cause during that off season, they were they were like coaches, low key. Like uh they were training for their season and they was in the weight room with us too, like motivating mm-hmm. us and talking to us. So I became friends with them. And mm-hmm. um so soon as soon it was over, they called me up, was like, Come out to New York, we're gonna take you out have a good time now that you're you know, you're done school. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. And I went and hung out with them. It was it was a good that was a good night.
1: That's great, man. Did you end up doing any late night TV shows in in your career? Did you go like on Jay Leno? Or, I thought you guys did at one point.
0: We did. Um, we were out there for the Rose Bowl. We were on Jay Leno. Yeah. Um, and then like I did stuff on my own, like after, later on, just like with the Best Dance Sports Show and things like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, we definitely was on Are Jay guys-
1: Leno. You guys were rock stars, man. That team to this day is still rock stars Do you, have you seen there was any, a lot
0: of big personalities on that team
1: yeah have huge you had, no, the personalities were great I'm wondering did you ever, have you ever seen a college football team since did that Clemson team a couple years ago remind you at all of you guys or you know in they terms of
0: per, they don't have the personalities we have yeah our personalities made a lot of like it made a big thing too, because you had people like Clinton Portis, you had Shocky, you had Ed Reed, you had myself, you had just like some strong, big personality. You had Brett Romberg. Um, they should have did like a, um back then if they was on reality stuff. Then if y'all, if they would have followed us like how they did like uh the training camps. If they would have followed us, college students the training camp, y'all would have y'all would have been entertained.
1: What we've seen uh, over the years, like Sports Illustrated, ESPN, all these people come out with these the greatest teams of all time, and they give you guys respect, but they don't put you number one.
0: I've they seen don't put, like, put us Texas. number one because they always want to make it a debate and make it a conversational yeah. piece, because they know it'd be too easy to put them number one, because that's where we're supposed to be. Right. So they want to make it a conversational piece and uh, put us like three, and put two teams, not one, but two teams ahead of us, when we know that we would demolish all those teams if we've ever had. Everybody could play them back in their, their time of, like, being, you know, if we, everybody could be seniors at the same time or whatever year you were when you won the national championship, we would beat them.
1: you destroy them.
0: And that Clemson team is
1: the only one I think I've seen that I was like, man, 15-0, and 0, they beat, you know, the one with Trevor Lawrence from a couple of years ago, that they went 15-0 and 0 and, they, and they beat a lot of good teams along the way.
0: But that's the only team I think could, could, could give you guys a game, to be honest. We just had the attitude of always like expecting to win too. So mm-hmm. it was different.
1: Brian, this was a lot of fun, man. I really oh, appreciate for it. Me.
0: All
1: right, man. Okay. Hey, it was awesome, Brian. Thanks for doing right. it.
0: Thanks. these other teams going to do? Orange or green on your screen. Hit with a full head of steam. Come to your side of town.